What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. that song but i can only imagine it was just like the best intro song ever oh like yeah. not the funky music though no no never the funk well i mean it is the perfect occasion for some funky music it is it is a joyous occasion uh here at dnvr hq of course two people that you've probably seen on these shows before myself and henry chisholm good to have you henry um but not as good as it is to have (laughs) the homie jake schwanitz here he's gonna be taking over the dnvr buffs lead and we're super super stoked to have him so jake how you doing doing pretty well man uh super super excited (laughs) to be here thank you for the the horns and all the the jazz music (laughs) i appreciate it oh my god we lost all our viewers yeah yeah we gotta turn that down that is really loud. You could probably hear it like through the board and then also through our microphone. You guys probably, probably didn't even need to listen on your computer. You probably heard that at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, how, how are you doing, man? Doing well. Um, <laughs> excited to be here. Um, I'm ready to cover the buffs, ready to get into some football. I mean, I think we're all ready for some football, right? It's been a long uh-huh. offseason. So. It's been yeah. a long three days, too. This preseason schedule, but that's <laughs> yeah. it's not the point of oh, this. Oh, there you go. Um, I guess before we jump too much into the buffs, just want to kind of give you an opportunity to introduce yourself uh, mm-hmm. to Buffs Nation here. Obviously, you know we'll be around. We'll be doing lots of content together. But you're, you know, you're in charge of the beat. You're, you know, you're the, you're their guy. So uh, introduce mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, name is Jake Schwanitz. Um, <laughs> I've worked in football analytics at Sports Info Solutions. Uh, more importantly, I've been a DMVR fan for five, six years. First mm-hmm. met Ryan and Andre uh, around 2018 at the Senior Bowl. Uh, became an intern, was on the DMVR Draft podcast for a while. I've worked with Hank and Justin on DMVR Buffs and Rams oh, yeah. stuff also. Oh, so, don't uh, bring up the Rams. Sorry, yeah, don't say the <laughs> R word. <laughs> I mean, on Henry's first podcast, he was like, yeah, I kind of grew up a CSU fan. Like, my dad went there. I was yeah. like, bro, don't say that. Yeah, that was not a good intro. I know. Oh, well. Sorry, I can't, forgive I me. bleed gold now. Got rid of all the, drained it all out. There you go. Green blood, Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do with the green blood. And Jake, you're kind of like, at least when I first met you, I was like, oh, this is like a true and true football guy. Like Mm -hmm. you're very into the game, I think on a different level than I think the casual fan. And to me, that's what I'm most excited about your coverage is like 
seeing you see the game through a very different lens i don't know you can kind of probably provide yeah. more color on that mm-hmm. um well I'll just i mean i've been a lifelong football fan i fell in love with the game at a very young age uh watching terrell davis and john elway win super bowls some of my very first football memories um really just been obsessed since playing it playing in the backyard playing organized what position uh, wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. You're not I, too tall. No. I got hands for days, though, bro. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was a tight end, so, you know. There you go. And Hank's kind of a quarterback. We can start uh, a 7-on-7 seven seven team, yeah, boys. A, yeah, not a good one. I mean, I, I say that just because I've seen you throw a football and you can throw it far. I actually, yeah, my arm is underrated. People don't <laughs> expect big things from me, but yeah. I mean, tailgates this year. Get a couple beers go. in me. See if I can unleash a couple long balls. Breaking news. We now have a third player added to the Buffs quarterback controversy. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. I thought Owen McCown is in there now. Uh, possibly. Uh, we'll I see. think he should be. Is, are you bigger or smaller than Owen McCown? Bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely bigger. That's one of those things where it's like there's... There's like small for uh like you know an adult human. Yeah. <laughs> there's like small for an 18, 19 year old. He'll get here. He'll okay. get here. There we go. He can eventually graduate just being a small human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, I think that's where we start this. Um, we're going to try to give you guys a nice primer heading into the season with this show. Mm-hmm. Um, even I, you know, a huge diehard Buffs fan, like needed a little bit of a refresher um, coming in into this show just because there's been so much change in the program. So that's going to be kind of the goal of this show. But it all starts with the quarterback competition. And the interesting thing about this quarterback competition is it's like we're just now pressing play on a quarterback competition that we pressed pause on Mm -hmm. about a year ago. And what's interesting about this is that back then it sounded like JT Shrout was in the lead. But everyone was saying, hey, it's like 50-50, really close. JT's a little bit in the lead. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. But it feels like we're almost picking up right there with this quarterback competition. Jake, you wrote a film room on it. Check it out over at thednvr.com. Kind of his debut piece, diving into the film of these two guys, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but what did you learn watching these two? Um, well, honestly, the story of this quarter battle is just inconsistency on both sides. Uh, you saw it a lot last year. Brendan Lewis, uh, one of the most inefficient offenses in college football, um, yeah. but also <laughs> a, a freshman. I mean, that, that had to be understood. This guy was kind of thrown into a role. Very much um, so. And to his credit, didn't turn the ball over very much, but that also came with the, you know, inefficient offense, you know, not very explosive, a lot of three and outs. Um, on the JT Shrout side, though, this is a guy that has arm talent. Uh, you put on the film from 2020, and it is kind of late in some of these games that he gets in there, but he's still willing to take risks with the football. Uh, a lot of those defenses kind of gave him the easy stuff underneath, but he still took the risks going downfield and made some really impressive throws. He's got some arm talent, and uh, this is, of course, before the knee injury last year. But he did actually show some mobility, ability to roll around and kind of maneuver through the pocket. So we'll see if that still is kind of true to his game, uh, uh, reco- recovering from that knee injury. But, yeah, it's just a story of inconsistent quarterbacks. Who can really emerge from this? It's interesting that you mentioned kind of the short stuff because he was good in those, in those areas and decisive. And I think you mentioned taking risks with the ball and decisiveness, and that was what was missing from Brendan Lewis last year. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you look back, you're like, wow, he only threw three interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I was sitting there like, please throw an interception. <laughs> like, yeah. Just throw the ball. Like, and that was the big thing is, is like, 
being so safe with the ball, not making those decisive early passes. You mentioned it in your film room. Like he, he misses a drag that's just right there. And then all of a sudden he's scrambling and he just throws it into the dirt. Um, that's what you can't have. And I think with the new offensive coordinator, Sanford, it's like his offense, he even said, I think like, don't expect like big flashy firework plays. Like we're trying to move the ball down the field. That's why to me, I'm looking at this and saying like, man, it feels like stylistically, Shrout is going to be a better fit for what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, with with Brendan, you hope that he at least kind of gets pushed stylistically by JT, where, where who knows, maybe there's a world in which they, they rotate or, or something goes wrong and the other one gets in. You would think that if you're Brendan and you see JT kind of flinging the ball around, maybe being a little loose with the ball, but but in an effort to make big plays, some of that rubs off. And you start realizing, like, okay, yeah, you, you can't be a college quarterback if you're not going to throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield. Or when you do, you put it right up next to the sideline so there's really no chance you can catch it. Like, at some point, your job isn't just to give the ball back without, you know, turning it over. You know, it's not about field position. It's about going out there and scoring points. And, and we know that JT is willing to do that. Absolutely. Um, you did a little bit of research on Sanford. What do you think? Um, it's, I mean, this is a guy that comes from a pretty diverse background in terms of the players that he coached, uh, coach Jordan Love at Utah state, Mike White mm-hmm. in Western Kentucky, Ian book, and a couple of other guys at Notre Dame when he was there. So he's shown the pedigree and been able to develop quarterbacks into at least all American caliber quarterbacks. I don't know about NFL yet. We'll see what Jordan love, mm-hmm. but, uh, this is a guy that has, I would say leans towards a pro style system. It's going to be multiple uh, you're going to see a lot more movement, I believe, a lot more unpredictability than you did last year, which I think all Buffs fans are kind of hoping for. It is and tough who was to that say. quarterback at Minnesota last year? Tanner Morgan. Yeah. yeah. Even he, like, you know, you take a guy who's not necessarily heralded and turn him into, I mean, he was more than passable against CU. But, totally. Uh, in most of those games, you, like, you saw a competent quarterback. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, the, the other thing with Sanford is he's just been in so many different systems where picking out what exactly he's going to do is tough to do because, like, you go to Stanford. That's a pretty pure pro-style attack. Uh, Last at Minnesota. They want to put extra offensive linemen out there. They want to be using tight ends. They want to be using motion with those guys. They just want to be pounding the rock up the middle. They want big guys who can run power runs. You look at Utah State, and that's a spread offense. And, And in all those places, it feels like he's kind of been pushed to fit the head coach's system, and he hasn't really had a chance to just run his own offense. And, you know, that's somebody who used to be one of the up-and-coming offensive coordinators. You know, that's you don't get to Notre Dame or Stanford as a very young coach. I think he's, what, 40, 40 now? He's, he's around there. So, something yeah. like that. But mm-hmm. if you're a young coach, to get one of those jobs, you've got to be showing something. And I do think that there is there's a real chance that this is kind of his opportunity to take the leash off and run what he wants to run. Now, does he have the tools to run what he wants to run? Who knows? Yeah. The one thing I will say is what I've heard in the last two days at camp, it seems like this offense is going to be about smash-mouth football. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've talked to a couple offensive linemen. We talked to Coach Hagan today. That The emphasis on the running game is strong with this team. At least that's the vibes I get so far. Um, Of course, Alex Fontenot being the returning running back. Of course, Jarek gone now. But, you know, with Deion Smith and Alex Fontenot, I think you got a good pairing there. Yeah, totally. And I'm um, it's it's tough because you know, I know Ryan disagrees with this, but if Colorado's going to win, you it's going to be 
through power football by being big and strong and running the football. And he wants the spread. He loves the spread. But you look back at who actually wins the Pac-12. It's all the power teams. Like, it's Utah. It's mm-hmm. Oregon. It's never USC. You know, it's it's Washington back in the day. Stanford back in the day. It's whoever can just grind through every single one of these speed teams. And, I don't know, you just got to pick something and do it at this point because you're kind of starting from nothing. Uh, well, and I think you make a good point there. To me, that's more about going against the grain. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. what happens is, you know, Oregon sets the Pac-12 into this, like, crazy spread world where it's just like... It's an arms race to get as fast and as, you know, uh, as multiple as you can in the passing game. And, you know, you're not even running the ball. You're just throwing short passes. And, like, that sent this, the Pac-12 into a whole yep. new era. So then everyone got so much smaller, right? Yep. On defense, you're just bringing in these tiny linebackers who should be safeties. Um, and, you know, you're getting so light on the defensive line because everyone's going hurry up. And then all of a sudden Utah comes in and they're just like, yeah, we're not really about that. We're <laughs> no. just going to go power. And then no one has the personnel to stop that. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, it's like, why not just go triple option again? Like, yeah, like, you know, it, work, like, it works for those teams. Air Force is probably going to win the Mountain West this year. Why? Because they, have, they run that. They run it well. They run it better than everyone else. Uh, and you're not prepared for it when you see it. So I think that's – there is a case to be made there. The problem about with that is you really, really have to hit in the trenches if you're going to go down that yeah. road, and it really, you really have to hit an offensive lineman. Now, you make the case that's the most rich crop of recruits you have in Colorado. Usually, comes from the offensive yeah. line, but I think the one of the reasons I'm so against it is because that's what John Embry wanted to do when he came here, <laughs> and what happened was your you had this pro style offense that was terrible. And you go back, you know, what have we been complaining about with the Broncos for the last few years? Bad and boring. Yeah. Like, bad and boring is the worst thing you can be. At least, I would love to lose games 45-40. You know what I mean? Like, at least that's fun and electric and your guys are scoring touchdowns. They're making big plays and the ball's moving around. When you fail at trying to go pro style in college, you fail hard and it is ugly. Yep. Yeah, that was evidence last year with the Buffs, I think. Um, Going back to the quarterback competition, though, I mean... Both of them have such a unique skill set that I think the offense could look very different depending on who is under center. I mean, if it's Brendan Lewis, it wouldn't surprise me to see a lot more option type stuff. Not quite RPO, triple option. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, read option type stuff. Really trying to get him out on the move. Easy throws. With JT, you can. I think you can really balance the offense out with heavy run game, play action, and downfield passing with his skill set. And one thing that I think wasn't talked about enough last year when it comes to Brendan Lewis is they had to put the shackles on Brendan Lewis because once JT Shrout went down, they had literally no quarterback depth behind him. So what does Brendan Lewis do better than anything else? It's he moves. They were afraid to move him around and let him run because if he got hurt, you were starting true freshman Drew Carter, who was not ready to go by any stretch Mm -hmm. of the mind. You know, we even saw him get in there a couple times and that was evident Mm -hmm. and they were scared. And so even if, just from that standpoint, if Brendan Lewis wins the job, you're going to see them be free and open with him. You know, like the last time the Buffs were great was with Sefa Lufau. The best play they had the whole season was quarterback power. I mean, mm-hmm. every short yardage down, they ran quarterback power. You saw uh, uh, Oregon State do that last year to Colorado with the, you know, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> not Jevia. Ch- no, Chance Nolan was the yeah. starter. Was he I think the guy that was that used for that? It might have been. Either way. <laughs> You can, you know, you get a big advantage with numbers when you're running your quarterback, totally. and you could totally see Brennan Lewis bringing that to the offense. At the same time, 
maybe I've just fallen in love too much with arm talent with the way that the NFL has gone. And you just look around at who succeed, you know, these young quarterbacks, it's Mahomes, it's Allen, you know, it's uh, Justin Herbert, like all these young quarterbacks with huge arms. It makes offense so easy when your quarterback can make throws to all yeah. sides of the field yep. at any moment. And obviously JT Stroud's arm is not in that conversation, <laughs> but even just watching the clips that you put in the film room, it's like, okay, it pops off his hand at a lot different rate oh, than yeah. it comes off of Brandon Lewis. For sure. And I think that's going to be one of the major changes if JT Shrout is the starting quarterback. I think you're going to see a lot more downfield stuff, a lot more play action. Um, with Brandon Lewis, too, uh, you mentioned the mobility and kind of that aspect of his game. And I th- find it funny, honestly, because it's he had 98 carries on 188 yards last year. That doesn't exactly scream mobile quarterback, but as yeah. you mentioned with the depth issue. Um, so There it, was, I mean... One or two design runs a game, maybe? Yeah. yeah, it's true. I mean, that that was really disappointing. Well, and the other thing is, when he got outside the pocket, nothing really happened. Like, like there were very few plays where he was able to roll out and evade pressure and then find somebody. It was basically every time he just throws the ball away. <laughs> yeah. Which was a, a, a real shame. But, I mean, even like the, you know, again, referencing clips from the film room, the third and 15 touchdown against Oregon State. Yeah. Was that in overtime? That was right before. Was okay, yeah, to force overtime um, or to, you know, in that game, that's him dodging someone in the backfield, stepping up in the pocket, mm. ripping one. And it's like you can see that stuff. It's such an advantage, especially in college, mm. to be mobile. Totally. Um, and you, you just hope that a guy like Sanford who has developed quarterbacks, he has a, a, a record of doing that, that maybe, you know, it is the best thing for the Buffs for Brennan Lewis to be the starter this year develop underneath him mm-hmm. and it's not like he has a weak arm or anything like that but if he were able to just put it together the ceiling feels higher sure i mean i think that makes sense this was a freshman quarterback last year you'd hope that he's just better because he has another year under his belt but he's just a young person overall i mean this is a guy that can can keep on growing and with mike sanford there i think that's a mind that you can kind of use uh, your quarterback and really kind of develop an offense for your quarterback as opposed to having an mm-hmm. offense and forcing a quarterback like a square peg into the round hole there. And the other thing that we were hearing this spring, I mean, there were there were a lot of really good things we we're hearing about the coaching staff, and we we'll talk more about the staff later. But one of the biggest ones that stood out the most was the quarterbacks talking to reporters back when I was there, saying, "Well, yeah, now they tell us where to go with the ball. Now they say like, if you see this, throw the ball here." And, and there's so many of those sorts of things that you hear and you're just like... A lot of stories like that coming out. That wasn't happening before? Like, <laughs> and so it's really easy to see how anybody could improve in that situation, especially somebody who, you know, that passing attack, it was fifth worst in the country behind the New Mexico Lobos. Terrible. Jake's, and, uh, Jake's alma mater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sorry, but terrible. It's all right. And we know. Uh, Navy... Army and Air Force, uh. the three triple option teams. And so, wow. like, you assume just some positive regression. Like, you have to be bad and unlucky. And again, it was 95% bad last year and not unlucky. But you expect that to get a little bit better by itself. And you just bring in a coach who has been around. Either one of these quarterbacks should be much better than they were last year. I, I completely agree. All right, let's tie a bow on this. Who's it going to be? Henry, I'll start with you. I think it's JT. You know, like, I think Brendan will be better this year. How could he not be better? Like, that's just the nature of college sports is if you're 18 or 19 or whatever he was last year, that's a big gap from that year to the next. Still, though, there are so many missed throws. 
there was he was too conservative. He even on some of the shorter passes, he was pretty inaccurate. Yep. Um, you know, but it's it's not like any of this is breaking news. Like you can see the numbers for yourself. I do think that just having JT Shrout come in, um, even just for the sake of change, would be good. But I also think he has some real traits that you can build around. Well, look, the thing with JT Shrout, I mean, you mentioned Brendan Lewis has another year under his belt. So does JT because of the injury. Mm -hmm. So he had another offseason or a whole season, really, to kind of... Mental reps. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Sit back, kind of watch the game from a different perspective. For that reason, I'm going to go with JT. I think he's got the the best tool set for this team to win. Um, I think that, you know, with Brendan Lewis and the legs, I I get why you would maybe want to hope that he wins the job because you could be uh, even more powerful on the ground. But I think JT really gives this offense a different dimension. Yeah, and I talked to people up in Boulder today just trying to get someone to commit to one side of this. (laughs) And I'll say, on the whole, it was a lot of it's 50-50, it's really close. But if I had to choose, I'd choose JT, Mm -hmm. which tells me it's not 50-50 if if that's going from multiple different angles. People believing, yeah, I mean, if you had to choose, here's what I'll say. Neither. Neither will be the starter. Uh, Both will be playing Ah. in several games early um, because why would you not use Brendan Lewis as a weapon if you can do that? You know, exactly what we're talking about with Oregon State. That was so frustrating, and they were doing it to everyone. Mm -hmm. In that short-yarded situation, quarterback draw, quarterback power, whatever it is, and you're converting first downs. The other thing is, in this new, weird college football world that we live in, a lot of places are not naming a true starter, mm-hmm. at least for the first four weeks of the season, right? Yeah. So I think what you're going to see is a mix of both early, which leads to JT eventually becoming the starter. But I think both are going to be on the field the entire season. No, that's I think that's spot on. You've even seen Nick Saban in Alabama kind of do it too. He won't yep. announce a starting quarterback, and then it's just kind of who trots out there when the offense goes on the field for the first time. So. Yeah, and even if JT is a true starter – how do you not have a Brennan Lewis package? Oh, you absolutely. Know, it just opens so many things up. It, and, and more than that, it forces the defense to prepare for it. Yep. You know, if you do that mm-hmm. the first two weeks of the season, well, guess what? Week three, they are going to be spending time studying what to do against that. That's time they don't spend studying everything else. So I agree. Also a good time for me to get my take in that every team should have a triple option package. They should just know how to run it. Absolutely. I mean, going back to un- yeah. UNM here, I, why don't they run the triple option, man? You're so bad offensively. <laughs> why not? My thing is just like you should put it on film so then the other team has to spend yeah. hours every <laughs> week preparing for it. I remember up in Montana back in the day. I mean, they were playing Idaho back before Idaho was awful. And one week, Montana just tried out a triple option. It was a full-on triple option, and nobody saw it coming because they'd never done it before, and they beat the hell out of them because they yes. didn't know how to understand. If you don't prepare for that, college, like 18-year-old kids seeing that for the first time with no prep, yeah, they're going to get smoked. Yeah. Uh, all right, Henry, you want to tell us about some of our sponsors? First of all, Breckenridge Brewery. I've had uh, – this is a beer and a half – well, a seltzer and half a beer that I've had so far. It's really good stuff. Um, <laughs> I, haven't, uh, I haven't been drinking a lot recently just because – there's no tailgates, no football, anything. Soon. Yes. I know. Soon. Calm before the storm. <laughs> I know. Where it's one of those things where, like, do I need to build a tolerance? Do I need to prepare my body? Do I mm. say, like, nah, just hold off. It's going to hit really hard. It's kind of like the preseason football debate. I yes. think you're still kind of young enough that you're all right, Henry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll trust you. But, yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the Honeydew Good Company Hard Seltzer is incredible. Honestly, not quite as good as the Avalanche Amber Ale. We love Breckenridge Brewery. Wait, which one's that? 
I've got the black cherry. Yep. Okay, whatever it is, can't go wrong. You can get them at any of our Broncos tailgates. Uh, you can also get them if you go to breckbrew.com, use the beer locator, put in whatever you want to try, and uh, it'll just pop out, whatever's closest to you. Uh, also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's go. Uh, we have been betting a lot, at least I have. Lost some money on Jokic. He was playing for the Serbian national team against Slovenia today in a, an international friendly if you're betting on this. <laughs> yeah, well, you know who else I think was betting on it? Novak Djokovic, who was sitting courtside. Oh, he was th- you think they have DraftKings in Serbia? I don't think it was DraftKings. It was probably some sketchy... All the homies are going <laughs> to Serbia from DNVR Nuggets tomorrow mm-hmm. morning, so we'll, we'll be able to ask questions like that and get answers. There we we go. will. We will. Assuming, you know, they don't get arrested or anything. But yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, DraftKings, though, it's a lot of fun. I like to bet on preseason football. What, Ravens have won... 21 in, in a row now i think you can get him at like minus 200 that's minus a good 200. bet that's solid. they've caught on but still i mean that's still solid i would they've, say the best streak in sports history like forget dimaggio okay. 56 okay hit, hit streak ravens 21 straight po- uh preseason games goaded 19 like and 2 years. against the, <laughs> 19 and 2 against the spread wow. unbelievable so there you go if you don't want to play with the minus 200 there you go um, but DraftKings Sportsbook, right now you can sign up. You'll get a $1,000 free bet if you... Risk-free bet. $1,000 risk-free bet, up to a $1,000 risk-free bet. If you miss your first bet, then you get whatever you bet back in the form of a free bet. So basically you get two tries at it. Uh, it's a really cool promotion. So make sure you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the code DMVR. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, see the show notes for more details there. There you go. All right. This part is going to be a a ride. Uh, Because here in the second segment, I want to go with you guys. Who's in and who's out? This is the hardest part for me. (laughs) And I think uh, it's the most important part to cover. Like If you're a Buffs fan who kind of checked out... Um, if you're like me, I I couldn't handle like the negativity surrounding the mass exodus that happened with all the transfers. So I just like blocked it out. So I had to re-familiarize myself today uh, with who's out. But there's also some exciting mm-hmm. people who came in. So we've got a list here. Um, I don't know exactly how you want to go through this. I can probably just start naming off all the people who left. And then we can kind of talk a little bit about who's replacing them. Then we'll talk about some of the new people coming in. So, totally. First and foremost, Brendan Rice is out. Uh, he goes to USC, where he is now wide receiver five? At, At best. best. There you go. That was, <laughs> that that was, was pretty good, good. for you, too. Um, which is, I feel bad for him, um, because all these guys are getting lied to 24-7 when they're you know in the transfer portal, they're getting mm-hmm. recruited. Um, he obviously didn't imagine this. Well, and the um, toughest part is, you know, he commits there. Then after that, Mario Williams commits there, who was one of Caleb Williams' weapons at Oklahoma. And then after that, Jordan Addison commits there, who won the Bolitnikoff last year. Right. So right there, there's two more spots down the depth chart after he committed. And they already had players there, of they course. They sure did. They didn't right. just start from zero. <laughs> they exactly. sure did. Um, so that's a tough break for him. Jarek Broussard uh, goes to visit old friend Mel Tucker in, uh, yeah. in East Lansing. So, uh, Michigan State. Nebraska, Colorado State, most hated to least hated for CU fans right now. Oh, I'll say in the CU athletic department, Mm. Michigan State number one. (laughs) Probably. Um, (laughs) I'll say for me, 
What were the what was the fourth option? CSU. No, there were just three. Okay. Uh there's only three. Yeah. Um Nebraska number one, Michigan State number two, CSU number three. I love the Big Ten hate. I just yeah, I mean I I just don't want Michigan State to be good. Like that's all I care about. Yeah. They already were once. Um CSU, there's no reason to hate them right now because the Buffs have won five straight against them and we don't play. Next year though. Yeah, right? my hate yeah, next they'll year. They'll move up to two or one next year. Okay. Especially if, you know, Norvell shows anything this year. What I will say is, again, I talked to – I was I was really dialed into the college football world today. Mm-hmm. Um, someone I talked to said, like, yeah, like, they're – Norvell knows what he's doing. He's a good coach. He has a bottom quarter G5 roster. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with that. Either way – CSU's low on the list right and now. And as also, soon like, as he... Jay Norvell was sitting right in one of these chairs like a week ago. Respect to him for that. Respect to him for that. Also, as soon as he has a winning season... He go- he's gone. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, a couple just like graduations and or draft entries. Mm-hmm. Nate Landman, of course, a legend. Yep. Um, he's out. Carson Wells, gone. Yes. Um, Those are the two biggest losses. And, and what I really Forget the hate, transfer portal. Exactly. And that's where you read a preview from some outsider saying like, oh, the buffs were hit hard. They lost blah, 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 blah. Those are the two biggest losses. And so don't get caught up. Like the transfer portal, obviously things went horribly. Like that is very clear. But those two are the biggest losses. And those are very natural losses that don't get brought up because of what happened in the portal. Well, it's a leadership aspect, right? Yeah. I think that looms large over yeah. there. Yeah. For sure. Um, I would say the biggest loss is Christian Gonzalez. Um, From a talent perspective, absolutely. Yes. I mean, this is a guy who, who – who was it? Was it PFF? Someone said four, 14th overall. 14th oh, in a mock. Yeah. Um, like, this is, you know, a legitimate corner who can lock down um, most number ones, not mm-hmm. Drake London. But um, – <laughs> yep. And the a big reason, you know – we talk about building the Broncos building their defense around Pat Sertan. Well, I think especially earlier in the early in the season, that's what Chris Wilson was trying to do. It was like, yep. hey, we have Christian Gonzalez. We can play press man. Um, and you know, it kind of worked against Texas A&M. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so that one that one to me is the one that hurts the most. Uh, Dimitri Stanley's out. That one just hurts because that's like a legacy. Yeah. Who's from Colorado? Who was kind of a fan favorite, but. Wide receivers grow on trees in 2022. You've got Chase Penry right there. Yep. Um, Makai Blackman, another one that kind of stings. And what we said about Brendan Rice not playing at USC, sounds like Makai Blackman actually is going to be a big piece of their defense. Yep. He's a little undersized for a cornerback. That's okay in college football. He's he's a good player. And that's why, I mean, you know, last year you have Nigel Bethel, you have Makai Blackman, you have Christian Gonzalez. They were able to go against – to go man against – uh, Texas A&M against basically everybody up until Nigel's injury and and win against anybody. So that's a big change. I mean, USC was awful on defense anyway, especially in the secondary. They couldn't cover anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure, except CU. Um, <laughs> let's go uh, quickly. We talk about Gonzalez and Blackman. Um, Henry, who replaces those two guys? So... Honestly, there's a long list is the, is the first part of the answer. You know, you've got Nico Reed, Kalen Moore, who played quite a bit. I mentioned Nigel Bethel. He played, I think, three games before he got hurt, missed the rest of the season. He could bump up. He's a veteran. You've got a pretty solid freshman class from everything we've heard. Um, but it probably starts with Nico Reed. He's 
he has special traits. Um, last year, I, was, I, I heard from a scout, an NFL scout, who's having a conversation, and one of the things he said was that you know he's out there watching you know Christian or Nate or whoever he's watching, but he's like that twenty five. He really is good, and he's not wearing twenty five this year. But Nico Reed has all of the traits except for the size. You know, there's a reason he's their returner. He's the guy you look to to be the, the like the the number one guy out there. And I mean, the hype around him is pretty real. Oh yeah, Boulder. Like people are essentially saying he's Chris Gonzalez without the length, yeah, without as much length. Yeah, and yeah. It, whether that's true or not, that's just like the feeling up there. Um, super fast, you know, super twitchy. Uh, a lot of the things that you like to see. Just a really good athlete, more than anything. Yep. Um, okay, couple more exits. Actually, oh yeah. So you lose. Um, Mark Perry, not Quinn Perry, yep. um, who actually goes to TCU. And interestingly enough, I heard today that um, they're looking for the offensive players looking forward to getting a chance to play against him. Uh, and maybe, believe it. maybe game plan against thing. some of his uh, tendencies. It's not a good thing on his side. Good yes. thing on TCU's side. <laughs> <Yeah>. Hopefully. <laughs> um, so he's out, uh, which, I mean, you, do, you hate to lose, like, Specific skills. He's fast, right? Very fast. Um, he brings team speed to your defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he never necessarily put it all together, but mm-hmm. um, that is one of those things where you're just like, you could count on him to be fast. Yep, and he, I think he took a little bit too much of a beating from the fan. It's, he he started playing early. You know, if he goes to Bama or whatever, well, then he's not on the field until his junior year. Well, yeah. that's this year. And so you have to kind of watch him through the growing pains, and I think those growing pains kind of stick with him, especially to a position where you have to think a lot. But, you know, will he turn out to be a really good player now that he's a junior, senior? Potentially. I think accepting growing pains is something that fans need to get in the mindset to do this year because this yeah. is a very <laughs> yeah. young roster. Yeah. But that, to me, I don't know. Again, you know, the expectations thing is what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. My expectations for the Buffs be fun like don't be embarrassing it's yep. like where i'm at now obviously when game day comes around and i've had a couple of drinks i'm gonna want them to win really totally. bad um but when it comes down to it like there's a lot of young players on this roster that you look to and you're like man i hope he makes some plays this year and looks looks good and you hope that this young group that we're talking about that's going to play a lot and you're gonna have to deal with the growing pains two years from now is the group you know, that we're talking about being legit. But, like, I was telling you before the podcast, like, I really like Trevor Woods. Well, that's who's filling in, mm-hmm. you know, at that position. He's going to make mistakes. Oh, yeah. He's going to have his problems. But he's also, like, a, a an exciting young player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made some plays last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look forward to, you know, what he can be. But I do think it's it's tough to get on these guys when they play really young for making mistakes that you expect that you should be expecting from young players. Um, just to finish this off, Colby Purcell, I think is the last one, um, who you lose. And that's one piece of the offensive line. You know, if you go through this, that's the, you're only losing one piece there. Yeah. And that's the good news. I mean, the bad news is that the line wasn't good at all last year. And we'll talk about the coaching changes, but that potentially is the biggest change on the coaching staff is, you know, moving on from Mitch Rodriguez, bringing in Kyle Devan. So you have that working for you. But, yeah, I mean, Noah Fenske, the transfer from Iowa, sat most of last year but will probably be the center. You know, Austin Johnson competing for that job, I think, still. I haven't been super – I haven't been yes, up there in camp. Yes, he is. But still a battle. There's some hype around him. Yeah, there is some hype there. And, you know, 
tackle struggled last year. One was a freshman. One had shoulder surgery. You need your shoulder if you're going to play tackle. <laughs> so there's there's reasons to think it should be better. All right, we're we're deep into the segment already. We haven't even gotten to the who's in part. Um, quickly on <laughs> coaches, who's out? Demetrius Martin, Darren Cheverini, Mitch Rodriguez. Um, that at least two of those <laughs> make you feel a lot better. Obviously, Chev. You hate to pile on him because yeah. you know he's a he's a person who loves the program, mm-hmm. was a great player back in his time. Um, but the wheels really, really came off for him last year. Um, there was a lot of strife within the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. There was a very big lack of cohesion between the coaches, and he was he was part of that. It's not all on him, um, but. You feel kind of you feel like that's a place where you really needed a fresh start, uh, and it's a bummer because he brought in a lot of these receivers who we'll talk about in a little while that are like he did a good job recruiting that position, um, and some other players for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but it just got it, it reached a breaking point for sure last year. It, yeah, and and no one's keeping their job with that offense. Doesn't that that is are. absolutely true. But that is another one of those that you look at and say like if you if you can just have like a below average kind of game planner, play caller, team builder in that spot, that could be a pretty significant upgrade. And it was always awkward that he was like a candidate to be the coach, at least in the yeah. fans' eyes and in his eyes for sure. Um, and then he had to like accept a demotion. Like it was really, really weird. And it's one of those things that, in hindsight, you know, everyone was hoping, like, well, hopefully they can keep Chef. Hopefully they can keep Chef. It's one of those things that's like, eh, maybe they shouldn't have done that because now there's, like, this weird relationship between the head coach and the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it could have been predicted, for sure. Um, yeah. But he's gone. Rodrigue and his replacement, who I, I'm blanking on his name, who they used halfway through the season. Oh, Halfway through, oh, Vallejos, William yes, Vallejos. Yes, exactly. Who actually did a much better job. Yeah, um, immediately. Yes. That Oregon game, they put up 29 points or whatever. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, he's out as well. And I guess we'll go backwards order here to just go directly into the mm-hmm. coaches. Um, coming in is Mike Sanford, um, Phil McGagan, Kyle Devan, Clay Patterson, and was there one more? Oh, the corners coach. Who's yeah. his name? Rod Chance. Yes, yeah. Rod Chance. So I, I mentioned all their names at first, and then we'll go kind of one by one. But I will say this. From people I talked to, they said these coaches that have been brought in is by far the best move that Ka- that Carl Durrell has made since he got to Boulder. Um, and you keep hearing things like what Henry said, where like the quarterbacks are saying, yeah, they, they, uh, they're telling us where to go with the ball now. And it's like, what were they doing before? Um, the tight ends are saying like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you used to just go hit people. Now I know like how to hit people yeah. or like how to block. And it's just like, what, what exactly were they doing in practice before? Which is concerning in its own right. But what I, I guess what these guys specifically mm-hmm. brought to the staff is like a level of professionalism and organization Yes, that I think was really missing. And I, I always try to look at these things from a business owner standpoint because it's the closest thing I have to running a football team. Yep. And it's like lack of organization and lack of professionalism can spiral out of control really quickly and good communication, good organization, um, 
like professionalism, like a certain way you carry yourself can actually go a really long way. So if I'm looking for reasons to be like, why would these same players be significantly better than they are last year? These, this would be it. Absolutely. And I mean, that organization stuff, like, yeah, that's all true. It's especially true when you're talking about 18 to 22 year olds. Oh yeah. Like, like you're trying to teach them things to get things going. Like this is now a staff that can do that sort of thing. And again, do they have the talent to do that this year? Uh, We'll see. But they at least have things kind of in good shape, and that alone is really exciting. But, I mean, you know, we can say this because it's out there now, but during one of the games last year, the offensive lineman went up to our guy, Matt McChesney, who was on the sideline with, like, a field pass and said, how are we supposed to block this? Like, so when they come at us with this, and they kind of circled around him, and it was a whole thing that had to get broken up. But, again, those are the kinds of questions they were going to Matt McChesney on the sideline for. Again, we don't want to pile on the former coaches, but this staff now, you would think Kyle Devan comes over. He, he was at Michigan last year. He was an analyst. That, that was the offensive line that won the Outland Trophy, which goes to the best offensive line in the country. You know, he's, he, he was on Peyton Manning's offensive line when Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl. He has been a Power 5 offensive line coach before. Like, there's all these things that you look at and just say, we know that the Buffs are in better hands there. Now, are they in good hands? I think there's a lot to like, like probably, but... At the very least, better hands. I'll say this. I've talked to a couple of players. It's only two days on the beat. Uh, but I've talked to a couple of offensive linemen, Casey Roddick, Noah Fenske. I'll have notes coming later this week. But both of them emphasize just the coaching and the technique. Mm-hmm. And Did just... Noah Fenske say no offense to the former <laughs> <laughs> coaches? But... He actually kind of did, yeah. <laughs> he said no, no shots taken at uh, the people that were previously there. But anyways, yes, that's the whole energy, I think, around the program, especially these positions that really went through – real struggles last year the energy is just revitalized it sounds like these players are actually coming into their own feeling comfortable about their game feeling comfortable about what they're being taught from by coaches yeah it's that for me of all you know i talked to a lot of people today and of all the things i heard that is the the best thing i heard which is just like these guys especially stanford uh sanford phil mcgagan um in divan are like a whole different caliber um Mm -hmm. than the guys that they were going from and there's always going to be these types of things said whenever new people come in but it's usually like oh yeah this guy's legit this guy when it's like it's night and day difference that's something to i think take note of again we're talking about you know darren cheverini coaching the receivers where did he coach receivers beforehand you know he's he's around texas tech doing that sort of thing phil mcgagan now comes in he's you know, he's coached Chad Ojocinco, Keenan Allen, Anquan Bolden, Brandon Marshall, Greg Jennings, Sammy Watkins, Jabbar Gaffney, Brian Hartline, Devontae Parker. You know, his the receivers he's coached have earned over a billion dollars in the NFL. <laughs> like his stat. last That's job awesome. was with the Chargers. And so coming in to be the the Buffs wide receivers coach, that's the sort of thing that you can pretty easily get excited about. Yeah. I mean it, it really is. And and you just hope to see a level of organization on the offense yes um that will go such a long way i mean again it's basically impossible to be worse than they were last year so anything is going to be better but mm-hmm. you do feel like hey just having like a play caller who comes in with a a, a, a game plan that's clear and concise mm-hmm. and you know these guys can get behind and you know they're they're going into each week with like 
knowing what wants to be done, knowing what they're going to call, knowing what they yep. want to execute. That type of stuff, um, maybe you take for granted when you have it, yep. but when you don't have it, you definitely see what happens. And, and he said, I mean, Mike Sanford said this spring, you know, they're going to be watching football all weekend. Like Saturdays, they're watching football. Sundays, they're watching football. And they're going to see what other offenses are doing, what the new innovations are throughout the sport at every level. And they're going to start taking those things and putting them into their offense. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. just like, that. Yeah. be at the forefront. Doesn't Nathaniel, that sound nice? Nathaniel Hackett said recently that when he was interning, I forget where he was. I want to say maybe Syracuse. Um, it might have yeah. been when he got to the NFL. I can't remember. But his job was just to watch other teams' plays and draw them up. He's like, yeah, I drew up 16,000 plays in two years. <laughs> like... It's insane, but you know that those. It seems obvious, right? Look around yeah. college football, the NFL, high school football. Who who cares? If something worked, write it down. See if it works for you. Yes, I think that's something that Belichick has his assistants do. It's called game padding. Yep. Um, and it's literally every player on the field, both sides describe exactly where they are, what their job is, and just having that kind of outside perspective at different positions. Uh, it just goes a long way in just learning the game, knowing what you're supposed to be doing knowing what your opponent's going to do too it's a huge Mm -hmm. part of it all right let's jump into some of these players uh who are coming in um the one that people were most excited for Mm -hmm. um is rj sneed um i is it public Uh, like i don't even know i I, I think it is okay i well regardless i (laughs) he's hurt um, <laughs> that doesn't mean it sounds like it's actually pretty promising um yeah. i heard uh today that it's it's even more promising than maybe some people are saying um who are who have been talking about this um but he is legit legit when it comes to wide receiver like if you were just it, do, it doesn't work like this but if you were trading brendan rice for rj sneed straight up you'd t- you'd win that trade in my opinion this year yes yeah i, I totally That's, agree yeah. Yep. I mean, this year, one for one, who would be more productive? RJ Sneed more than Brendan Rice. Now, three years from now, when Brendan Rice puts it all together, probably not. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a sixth-year COVID senior mm-hmm. uh, who comes over uh, from Baylor. All Big 12. All Big 12. Like, crazy production. In You know, just everything you want. Uh, great route runner. Great hands. Exactly. Just one thing after another. Whereas, Brendan Rice was just like a, a ball of clay and mm-hmm. just pure athleticism someone you love uh you wish you could have both you sure do <laughs> uh, but if sneed's healthy uh, which it sounds like he will be for the season um a guy who's really exciting this was a great land from them i think the the key thing you said that was consistent production i mean i yes. think that's what this offense needs is someone uh to rely on at nearly all positions just someone that's been there and done that sneed offers that to this offense uh hopefully he gets back on the field sh- uh, soon maybe we'll see for the tcu game they're gonna need him Yep, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and from what I heard, there's optimism. Yep. Um, there's actually, yeah, there's optimism. Um, uh, next one. Uh, help me out here, Henry. It's the linebacker from West Virginia, Josh Chandler Semedo. Yeah, I think, and going back and watching, it's mostly said Semedo. I'm okay. not sure. We're going to figure it out soon, though. Josh Chandler Semedo. I mean, inside linebacker, his job is basically to replace Nate Landman. It's a tough job. At the same time, he started, I can't remember if it's 31 or 33 games at West Virginia. You'll love to see that. You know, he's a little bit undersized. Not not the biggest guy, but but he's a good tackler. Um, not a great tackler, but a good tackler. Solid against the run game. Knows where he's going, but he's also very good in coverage. Like He's just so mobile, so shifty. Um, you know, the I think the most exciting thing on three sports, it's like one of the new recruiting websites. Um 
maybe not if if <laughs> if we're if we're talking about like which outlets do I trust their rankings of? There, I, I give them like a, a B. B, B, yeah, B is probably good. Um, but they say Josh Chandler Semedo, fifth best linebacker in the country. Wow, that's that's exciting. If they're that's a great replacement if, for Nate Lamond. I told you <laughs> yeah. this. If he's the fiftieth best linebacker in the country, I'll be very happy. Totally. Um, There's a lot of linebackers. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, even if you were just to say two per team, you know, that's yeah. that's top ten percent right. ish. Um, maybe a little less than that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> either way, I mean. This is a guy who could come in and have a massive impact. Um, a lot of times in college, I think defenses go as their linebackers go. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he can just be solid, you know, obviously you have Quinn Perry in there too who had his moments, I would say. Yep. Um, and will obviously be a year older, a year more experienced. But I guess you just think of it this way. In the, in the first game, you're going up against the air raid, right, in TCU. Um, or some version of that. Mm-hmm. In the second game, you're going up against the triple option. <laughs> Both of those things are demanding a lot out of your linebackers. Mm-hmm. Very different things, but you have to be solid at that position because both of those styles will carve you up if your linebackers are out of position and not not playing well. And as you mentioned, it's a very young team. So this is another veteran coming in at a position of need and honestly, a leader, leadership position. You always want your middle linebacker to kind of be the captain of the defense. If he can be that for the Buffs this year, that's a huge get for them. Yep. Very, a lot of optimism around him. Um, just going through uh, another transfer in here, Tommy Brown, uh, offensive lineman from Alabama. What can you, you tell us, Henry? love to hear that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he didn't play all that much at Alabama. He, uh, I think he got in for a few games during the COVID year. There were a couple linemen out with COVID. Then late in the game, you know, they throw more guys in, keep everybody healthy, whatever. Um, but the fact that he put on an Alabama uniform and played on the field. And there you go. And, and that seems to be the current staff is very excited about him. The whole team is really excited about him. They're not too worried. He's He had like a little cleanup thing on his knee, um, which I assume is out there. If not, I've figured that, out in the way I can ha- say it. He yeah. hasn't. It's it's known that he hasn't been playing okay. recently. Yeah. Well, he's going to be out there probably for for week one. I'm not worried about that. Um, again, just has experience at right tackle, has experience at guard, has moved around, and they really think that he's going to be a really good player. Also, six seven three twenty. I mean, this is a massive guy. Yeah, uh, you go to Alabama. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you can't you can't say no to that. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, now I think yeah, couple of freshmen. Uh, who have been garnering some hype uh, in one way above the others. Uh, and that is freshman wide receiver Jordan Tyson, um, who this is one of those ones where if he if the hype is real and it turns out, it will look like such an obvious thing looking back because he comes out of Allen High School in Texas. which Tyler is Tyler Murray's high school. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. exactly. A Texas football powerhouse. And he is a beast wide receiver yep. at a Texas football powerhouse and somehow does not get any love in the rankings. I think he was considered like 150th best wide receiver yep. in the country. Buffs get him. And basically what everyone is saying is like, this dude's athleticism is insane. Um, I know the, the social media accounts have posted out like a couple highlights of him making great catches in practice. Um, 
didn't exactly live up to the hype at the scrimmage uh, that they had last weekend. But this is, I mean, you know, if they're talking about freshmen, this dude's getting talked about 10 times before anyone else gets talked about once. And it goes to what I was saying earlier about how, like, you're almost never at the college level going to have to worry about wide receiver depth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you lose Brendan Rice, that's a bummer. Um, you, you go get RJ Sneed, a all-conference performer from the transfer portal, and then you go and, and you find a diamond in the rough receiver uh, in Jordan Tyson, who maybe he contributes a bunch this year. He's definitely undersized uh, mm-hmm. for college football right now as a true freshman, but you also, I mean, you just look down that list and it's like Chase Penry and it's, you know, Ty, Ty Robinson and mm-hmm. it's, um, Montana Lamonius Craig, yeah. like all these guys who are like, Oh yeah, that guy's solid. Yeah. You know, at the very least. So this one's exciting for me because uh, usually wide receivers are a position that practice translates pretty well to the field. If people are saying this guy's blowing up in practice, it usually happens uh, on Saturdays as well. It's a seven-on-seven seven world we live in, man. <laughs> all these camps and everything, all these receivers and quarterbacks coming out, you kind of have to be polished at this point. Yep, yep. for sure. And yep. more important than the talent at that position because everybody's going to have talent, the coaching. And that's that's sure. what makes it so easy to get excited. I wonder if there's a – and maybe this is easier said than done, but let's say Jordan Tyson is the next – and it does feel like whenever the buffs, even when they're bad, they have like this wide receiver who's awesome. Yep. You know, going back to Paul Richardson, Nelson Spruce, like mm-hmm. could be any of these guys. Um, but if this does work out, maybe there's a formula that you could follow, which is like going to these big Texas high school powerhouses that are essentially being mm-hmm. run like college football programs and taking, you know, n- getting some of the three stars um, that are coming out of those programs and saying like, hey, you know, come play for us. Uh, we value you as high as, you know, Alabama values your quarterback. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's absolutely something there. And they just so much depth. Like, it's hard not to. Even Maurice Bell, Jalen Jackson coming back. Like, two seniors. I, in a perfect world, you don't need them. In a perfect world, you have all these young guys who are ready to pop off. But the baseline is so high because of all these vets. And they just have so much young talent, too. They're going to be just fine at receiver. Again, experience at a key position that needs yep. experience. Yep. Um, one here that I think uh, just leads to... An interesting note that I heard today, Victor Venn, uh, who is a freshman running back, um, apparently is just him and Darren Hagen are like two huh. peas in a pod. Um, I, I was told they're basically clones, uh, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, but it was told to me like this freshman class, the energy from them and the personalities uh, is the best in years. And again, you know, you look at the like there's going to be fans who are rolling their eyes at that totally. thing. Like, yeah, well, can they play? Um, but there is something to be said about just energy. And it sounds like these kids came in, ton of energy, um, like very respectful. Mm-hmm. Again, does that translate to wins? I don't know. But it is nice to hear that like there's a, just a bunch of really good kids that came in uh, from this recruiting class, Victor Venn being one of them. Um, just a lot of personality and, and you know a lot of energy. And this is the first recruiting class for carl durrell or what i count as it because right. before you know you're recruiting over zoom most of that his first class obviously getting in put living together rooms. by mel tucker right then the zoom year and then this is the first one where you have a full year where you're in living rooms doing that sort of stuff i think that's how they see it too for sure in the comments someone talking about my strategy to go into those big high schools are saying uh baylor and tcu and texas tech already do that sure 
Yeah. If you could be as good as Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech for the next <laughs> 10 years, that. you'll be really happy. <laughs> yep. Baylor's right. a little different than the others, but sure. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, even then, it's just like those programs, if that's what they're doing, it's right. working. And those at least on a relevancy standpoint. Plenty of receivers down there. Yes, mm-hmm. plenty of receivers. Plenty of receivers. Last one. Uh, maybe the most exciting and interesting here, Owen McCown. Henry, what have you heard about Owen McCown? Only good things have been said about Owen McCown. Well, there is the one, the big elf in the room. He's like 5'11", <laughs> Small 165 pounds. <laughs> I wonder what he's actually listed at. I'm going to check that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just the moxie. You know, it's a quarterback word. But lefty. You know, we even asked Brady Russell about it yesterday. And he was like, oh, yeah, Owen McCown. Actually, we have great chemistry already. That sort of stuff. He's a... Uh, He's not going to be a factor this year. He's a true freshman. Josh McCown's son, in case anybody's interested. Um, But someday, I think he's going to be really good. They have him listed 6'2", 175. There's no chance. Yep, you don't believe that. (laughs) I saw 6'1 so we'll see. Okay. (laughs) I'm thinking like 5'11". Keep an eye on when he walks out of practice. We'll see. I want want your first person take. Um, But I don't know. This is there's always one of these waiting for us um, as CU fans. It's like maybe it's him because yeah. we've been we haven't had a uh, quarterback drafted since Coy Detmer. Mm-hmm. Um, now maybe he's not going to get drafted, but it's you you sit back and you just say like, who's going to be the one to save us? Um, Owen McCown, I love hearing everything I've heard about him, which yep. is just like he walked in, did not have deer in the headlights emotions or anything like that. It was just like. Yeah, toss me a ball. Let's play. Like, yep. just a quarterback through and through. And that doesn't surprise you at all when his dad is Josh McCown. 18 it, years in the NFL. Wild. Absolutely like wild. 20 and teams, too. If, yeah. you just, <laughs> like, if you're Owen McCown, that means he spent his whole childhood around totally. NFL players. This is something I talked about a lot on the draft pod just throughout the years, especially just going over prospects and draft classes. But the pedigree of players that have parents or – have grown up under people that played in the NFL or coached in the NFL. That stuff translates, man. Like, that matters. I know that a lot of people are going to see that and go, oh, hype, it's a former NFL kid. That stuff really does matter, though. Of course. Yeah, you'd love for him to have inherited his dad's size. Maybe he sprouts. Um, That's the rumor. Okay. The growth plates. I love that. (laughs) Uh, I can get behind any sort of thing like that. (laughs) But it's so true. I mean, look at Pat Sertan. You know, the dude, his dad's an NFL player and he just walks into the NFL and it's like, there's nothing, it's not nothing crazy to him, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you're getting with Owen McCown is just a guy who's like, yeah, like I'm not surprised by the workload or anything like that. Um, I'm, you know, and I'm not intimidated by the lights or, you know, it's just, he has the ultimate mentor on his side for how to be ready for this stuff. I, the one thing I don't like is just hearing like, oh, he's not gonna be a factor this year. Like, why not? Sure. I mean, Brendan Lewis became the starting quarterback last year. I mean, yeah, although that was due to injury. Red shirt. Yeah, but sure. I mean, I don't want that to happen, but it's the one thing that I w- I just wish I was hearing, like, dude, this kid just could just come in and win the whole thing. Now, I guess he's being he's being hoisted up as a, uh, fighting for the third spot, which for a true freshman who's coming in, you, li- uh, it's, you like to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, if he wins a third spot, you can get very excited about that. There Maybe we go. you see him uh, later on in the game with hopefully oh. CU blowing someone out. Let's Wouldn't go. Just nice? blow out TCU. <laughs> Play Owen McCown. Uh, all right, Henry, any, any other uh, sponsors we need to shout out? Yes, there are. 
Athletic Greens. Oh, we love Athletic Greens. Oh, we sure do. Athletic Greens is... uh, it's a great thing. It's a. It's basically. It's like this powder. You scoop the powder. You put the scoop into your water. You shake it all up. You drink it, and then all of a sudden, all your problems go away. You're <laughs> like, uh, it'll give you energy. It's good for your gut health. It's uh. You we say call good. It athletic he- Golds on this show. Wow, there Athletic go. Golds. We we're going back. New product line. I was yeah, watching the uh, Cat Grizz highlights. Cats are going up to Missoula. They wanted to wear their gold uniforms, color on color. Grizz coach wouldn't let him. Love that. Told reporters, uh, gold is for champions. Ooh, love that. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> never never say yes to anything your opponent is asking for. Ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. Uh, but yeah, Athletic Golds, they, uh, they have 75 vitamins. There's minerals in them, all sorts of good stuff. And if you sign up using the code DNBR... Actually, go to athleticgreens.com slash buffs. Let's get that going. Um, yes, but sir. you get uh, five free travel packs. You get... Uh, a year's supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. It's all good stuff. And also go over to FOCO. There's all sorts of good stuff over there. They have Buffs memorabilia. They've got Avs bobbleheads. They've got Broncos bobbleheads. It's like championship-themed stuff. But also, you know, got like a CU Hawaiian shirt, if that's the kind of thing that you feel like you're lacking. A whole bunch of other options. Definitely feel like I'm lacking that. Well, head on over. You can get 10% off if you use the code DMVR at FOCO.com. Um, just got to use the code DMVR. And you could also just click the link in the YouTube description below. You probably can't get this Cody Hawkins Russian nesting doll, but you could get something close to it. Where can you get that? In Russia. My sister got it for me from Russia <laughs> while she was studying abroad. Wow, the wow. CU footprint goes that far, huh? Yes, yes, it does. And they even knew who the players were, which is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, final segment here. Uh, Marissa, if you could go through and just find, just star some uh, good comments or questions that people left, we'll get to those yep. at the very end. Um, but I, I want to go here because I'm feeling optimistic today. Maybe it's just because it's a good day. It's like a Wednesday hump day. Over, you know, made it made it to the uh, second half of the week. But I'm feeling optimistic about the Buffs today. So I want to go through and just say like, why? How could a fan be optimistic right now? What is the path to a bowl game? What does it look like for CU to take a step in the right direction this year? Well, one, I mean, the offense can't get any worse, honestly. The offense only has room to go up. Um, And we mentioned the youth on this team, the influx of young talent. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of these guys playing early and often. Um, But also, I think you're going to see a lot of these six-year guys. We didn't talk about Brady Russell today, but this is a... That's a key player in this offense as they kind of transition between coordinators and coaching uh, coaches and other positions. And, and we can talk about Brady Russell. Like I kind of wanted to get into some of the players that maybe we haven't mentioned that are you know we talked about newcomers, we talked a little bit about freshmen, but there are guys like Brady Russell who it's just like when utilized, Brady Russell has been a productive player in his career, and he feels like he could be a legitimate weapon on the offense, like. He has played several plays a season where you're like, they should use him more. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, Sanford coming in from a system that used a lot of tight end last year gets Brady Russell involved and he can be like a difference maker for the Buffs. Totally. Uh, I, absolutely. Um, to, me, to me, the biggest reason to get excited is because I don't know that this is – the schedule is as tough as it looks. You know, you start the year against TCU – TCU won five games last year. One was against Duquesne. One was against Kansas. You throw both those out. They played a 34-32 game with Cal. Cal's the kind of team that's sort of the barometer for CU. 
Like, can you beat Cal could be the question that decides whether you go to a bowl game or not. And so you open the year against TCU, and if you beat TCU, all of a sudden this negativity that's been around the program for, I mean, it's been brewing for a while, obviously. I mean, two decades you could go back. But in the last nine months or so in particular, since the transfer portal stuff happened, if you go out there and start 1-0, all of a sudden everything's on the table, and that's right there. And you go Air Force. You know, Minnesota, that's a tough team to beat. But it was a 13-0 game after a couple mistakes from Colorado deep in the third quarter last year. You just need a competent offense, and all of a sudden that could have gone differently. Now, I mean, they lost 30-0, to so saying, yeah, they're going to beat Minnesota. That's bold. But you do see how this path is there, and that lightens up maybe even from there in October. Yeah, and that that for me is the big thing. I know I've been joking, but I'm kind of serious. Like, I've been calling it undefeated October. <laughs> that should be the goal. That should be the goal because you look at October. Absolutely. And you have four games in October. Mm-hmm. At Arizona versus Cal, at Oregon State versus Arizona State. Uh, Arizona is terrible. Yep. Um, Cal is very, just just painfully mediocre. Disarray. Yes. A lot of disarray. Uh, Oregon State is the one that it's like, oh, they're actually well coached and might have something going there. But Took it to them last year, though. They're still Oregon State, and you beat them last yes. year. When, when Amidst everything that we've been talking about. And then Arizona State is... In shambles? Just, <laughs> it feels like a house of cards to me. Um, just like, what, they're just one thing, one breeze away from the whole thing uh, falling down. And so... Arizona State's the, maybe the one I worry about the most just because we don't have a history of beating them. Um, yeah. But you could legitimately get three wins in that month. And if you pull off TCU, you never know with Air Force. You at least can come out of that, that stretch feeling like this program mm-hmm. took a step in the right direction this year. The tough part is that November is Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah. Yep. So that doesn't inspire much confidence. But the good news is you don't have to play any of them till the end of the year. And hopefully, I mean, if, say, things go well and you're sitting there at what? That would be four and four heading into that stretch. Hey, you win one. You call it five and seven. That's been where the buffs have been living. All of a sudden, that feels like a pretty good step forward. And next year, you can realistically say, yeah, bowl game or bust. Plus three ranked teams at the end there. You get one of these big upsets. That's a potentially so program-changing yep. win. Yeah, and you know it's it's tough to like get there as a Buffs fan right now because every everyone is so down in the dumps. But like CU has a history of pulling off those types of upsets. Mm-hmm. Like once in a while, maybe once every couple of years, they get one that's special. You know, you rush the field, all that stuff. Um, to me, any path towards anything this year, unfortunately, starts with the first game of the season. And in in a bad sense, that's the most random game of the season. Also, maybe for the Buffs, in a good sense, that's the most random game of the season. You're getting a very average, at best, team from last year. Probably you would say a bad team from last year. At home, Friday night, under the lights, season opener. You're still undefeated, so <laughs> fans you know, are, are excited. The students are going to be yep. insane for that night. And if you win that, I think all, you know anything's possible. Um, then you go to Air Force. It's a bummer that you're getting Air Force in maybe like a season that they're expecting to be one of their best seasons. Um, but I will say like that regardless, no matter what, you're going to be more talented than them. 
So that you know, that's always their motto is like, it doesn't matter if you're more talented than us, we're going to out scheme exactly. you. And it's always difficult. We saw, you know, Mel Tucker's team lose mm-hmm. to them just a couple of years ago, but you can beat them. Like this is a mountain yes. West team. That is a uh, service Academy that cannot recruit good players at all. Now they have some guys. Yep. Um, but they, like top to bottom, their roster is severely undermanned compared to a Pac-12 roster, mm-hmm. even if it were talking about the bus. That being said, I fully expect Air Force to be favored by 8 to 10 points. Yeah, I think that's probably right. So it's going to be tough, but if you were able to get one of those two, um, then you know you go into October. You also, you know, you do have UCLA. Who knows with, with them? Right. Um, yep. You've always played them tight. Um, but I think there's maybe six seven winnable games on the schedule uh it's not it shouldn't be an expectation um but for me it's like can you just be relevant can you be competitive and can you be interesting if they can do those things i'll be a happy fan this year yeah i think that's realistic i think i mean yeah i said five and seven i think you're happy it's six and six you're thrilled, which is not the place you want your football program to be. Thrilled with a bowl game is no fun at all. But I'm being realistic. Five and seven, that's good. And I think if I had to pick, I'd say four and eight's probably most likely. Yeah. Five may be more likely than three. But, you know, you've got so much talent at so many different positions just figuring out who you put out there. I mean, you look at the edge rushers, you know, Terrence Lang, Guy Thomas, two good players. But then there's six guys after that where you say Alvin Williams. You've got Devin Grant. You've got so many players out there that could pop off. Just give me a couple of exciting storylines. Give me the thrill of potentially going to a bowl game because that's the other thing. The way a schedule sets up, there's a good chance you have you know four games at the end of the season that could have bowl eligibility on the line. Winning one of them is going to be tough, but... I, I think that there's a real path for this to at least be a fun season. And look, we've talked a lot about the players, but honestly, I think the greatest improvement on this football team is the coaching staff. Yes. Getting a lot of coaches that can come in and have been there, done that at a lot of different programs, mm-hmm. NFL caliber coaching. Um, I mean, there's no telling what that can mean to a program. Yeah. And, and I mean, look at that. Def- like the defensive front is something you can get excited over. And mm-hmm. Terrence Lang, Jalen Sami, um, you know, like Naeem Rodman. Naeem Rodman. We didn't talk about those guys, but like, that is a legitimate Pac-12 front. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, Jalen Sami, Naim Rodman on the inside, saying that's gonna be the best duo. That's bold because there's gonna be whoever Oregon runs out there that you never heard of before, but USC, pans out. Yeah. Right. But but being top four, that's a very realistic expectation. Terrence Lang, five and a half seasons, there's five and a half sacks in 2019, only one sack since. Can he figure it out, put all pieces together? Because he has all the tools. Yep. You know, Guy Thomas was a monster last year, and then mm-hmm. he got hurt. He had his big breakout, so who knows what he is. And they've got all the other guys behind him. I mean, it's easy to see. And can't forget Cole Becker. The Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> the Iceman. A kicker so good, he's got an NIL deal. Did he? I missed yes, that. Yes, he has an NIL deal with Colorado National Golf Course. That's a good one. For free golf. That's oh, a good one. You can't beat that. <laughs> I, I don't even have a deal for free golf. Wow. I wonder if we can get him to bring us out there. Golf video. We should absolutely do that. We need to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, hit us up. Um, again, you know, I think a couple more, I guess. Um, Isaiah Lewis is like a, another player that you feel confident in. At least I do. Yep, legit Pac-12 player. Yep. 
And, and that's why, you know, when you go through this group and, and you can get so negative and then you're like, you know, you're thinking, oh, God, we got to play Air Force. It's like, <laughs> you have players, like you have legitimate players right. on the defense that can make plays for you in that game. Yep. And you should be able to go to march on them on offense. You would think. You would think. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. By the way, speaking of that Air Force game, we are sending yeah. two buses down to the Air Force game. Um, super excited for this. In fact, Yo. I shouldn't even say we're sending two because one and a half are already sold out. So oh, wow. for 80 bucks, you get your ticket to the game, which is, to me, the best part. You yeah. don't have to deal with like going through Air Force or anything like that. We'll hook you up with your ticket to the game. You get a ride from the DNVR bar. We're going to open early so you can come in, have some breakfast, have a drink. Ride from here all the way down to Air Force. Uh, we'll, drop, we'll drop off for the game. And then after the game, 30 minutes after you hop back on the bus, we'll bring you back to the Denver, back to the DNVR bar. It's one of those things where it's like you are probably thinking, like, should we go down to that Air Force game? But you don't want to, like, deal with the logistics and all that stuff. Boom. One click of a button. You pay your 80 bucks, which is, I feel like, a great deal yep. for a round trip plus a ticket, and, uh, and you're in. So, and you can bring drinks on the bus. Yeah, go to dnvrlocker.com, uh, and you can find the Buffs Air Force Party Bus tickets there. I think that wraps it up for us before we get to our questions. Mm-hmm. All right, you're going to have to turn your mic on and read them to us, Marissa, because <laughs> we don't have a monitor. <laughs> says the offense is going to be intriguing new oc and seeing who wins the quarterback battle between shroud and lewis i think shroud wins though yeah there you go there's totally. four votes for shroud yep. wow <laughs> all right it goes hello from st louis used to love the buffs from lakewood colorado get back on the train <laughs> yes <laughs> and if the if the buffs can magically get into a bowl game i might cry tears of joy I've cried tears yep. of joy for less. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the buffs uh, bring it out of me. Yep. Is Sneed projected to be in the slot? That's an interesting one. I don't think we know for sure, but that is an option. He's played in the slot before. The thing about Sneed that's so exciting is that he can do anything. I was going to say, every, you, he's going to yep. project play everywhere. He can get open in the slot. He can make crazy catches downfield. There's some real highlights, like OBJ-type catches. The catch-and-run highlights are out there, too. He can do anything, and he can patch whatever hole you need. When you guys mentioned the guys that were already on the roster last year, Montana, or Montana Lamonius, Craig, yep. uh, Daniel Arias, these aren't like solidified, solidified guys in certain positions. I think there's a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word, malleability yep. in the yep. receiver core. Yeah, and Arias, I mean, you're just waiting for a breakout. Um we at had some, a revelation today. At some point, this guy. This is you big want to news. Tell us? Yeah. So back in 2019, when Katie Nixon was here, uh, he had the famous quote that uh, Daniel Arias is DK Metcalf Jr. Did some research today. <laughs> Daniel Arias recently turned 24, or maybe he's about to. He's, he's 24, as he will be by the start of the season. DK Metcalf Jr. He's 24. Is, yeah, DK he'll be 25 himself. in a couple months. DK Metcalf himself also the same age, <laughs> also the same age, <laughs> which is yeah. crazy because is DK going into his fourth season in the NFL? He already got the extension. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that is wild. big revelation. All right, Coach Durrell is entering his third year as a head coach. What are you guys looking for this season in order to believe he's the right man for the job? So here, the thing about Carl is that his strength is the staff building. You know, he's got all the connections. He knows good coaches. He's been everywhere, all that sort of stuff. He was kind of, I don't know if they officially pitched it, but the original excitement 
and although there were the things that you weren't excited about, the excitement was he should be able to build a really, really good coaching staff. And in theory, what that looks like is you bring in Mike Sanford. Well, guess what? Two years from now, Mike Sanford moves on. He's a head coach somewhere. And so, you know, is Phil McGagan ready to fill in? I mean, he's probably above offensive coordinator status at that point. But that'd be the idea is you get to move him up there. You know, and you just kind of build this farm. You get to pull in from outside. And he's kind of been hamstrung for a couple of reasons. First of all, being hired really late. And so you're not getting, you know, your right. pick of everybody. You're kind of... Mitch Rodriguez was the last offensive line coach hired in that cycle. It was something you threw out there. Now he still got hired. It's whatever, but that's the sort of thing. Now you kind of cycle through, figure out who you like. You bring in these guys. So that is the reason to be excited. What's a good season? You know, I say three wins, he keeps his job. <laughs> yeah. Six wins, five wins, we said, is probably a good season. The, the standard next year is a bowl game, though. Sure. Yeah, you got to do something eventually. I think. Yep. I think, unfortunately for Coach Terrell, it's this is a buy time year. Yep. Um, show that the program is moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a chance that doesn't necessarily play itself out in the win column. Um, you'd love for that to happen. Sure would. But he's. Got, I'll be honest. Like for me, just coming from the fan perspective, he's got. He has a lot of work to do before Ooh. I feel like he's the right guy for the job. So. This would have to be like a, a surprisingly good season for me to come away from this season saying he's the guy for the job. Just knowing the way the athletic department runs, the standards have to be lower for will he be the coach next year. Um, but he's got a long way to go to, to win me over. I think it goes back to the offense and something that you said earlier, Ryan. I mean, if you're losing games 45 to 40, that's – no progression in the offense. I think that's something you can really rally and build behind. So yeah, I mean, I would take thirty to twenty-five. Also, <laughs> uh, just plug in a fun thing. Our guy John Snelson, he's been working. I know he's been working for a very long time, working very hard. He made like a fifteen twenty-minute Carl yep. Durrell documentary type thing that dropped yesterday. I haven't had a chance to watch it. I haven't either. I guess it's really good. It's on the main Colorado football Twitter page. Yeah, if John Snelson made it, it's good. So he's just the best. Straight up. All right, what else, Marissa? All right, we got two left. Um, did Elway's kid ever do anything? What a random question, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not. Okay. He was Brock Osweiler's roommate. Yes, and interesting. So he Does that count? Got the Broncos to draft Brock Osweiler over Russell Wilson. Something got him a Super Bowl. <laughs> great, great spin. And last one, and I'm gonna like butcher this name. The enemy. Okay, the enemy. Good call. Why has the enemy never gotten a head job? Ooh, weird. Uh, There's a can of worms. A couple yeah. of weird back-to-back <laughs> questions. Um, I, I, I mean, I think it honestly goes back to his time as an offensive coordinator at CU when it was just a mess. And I think um, he developed a reputation then for being a little bit of a hothead. He's not a player's coach. And that's kind of where I was getting here is like, I don't know. I mean, players coaches is, are definitely in hot demand these days. Like mm-hmm. look at Nathaniel Hackett. Um, look at how it didn't work when the Broncos didn't hire a players coach in Vic Fangio. Um, people are still complaining about things that were happening then. Um, it's a, a little bit about that. I mean, anyone who follows CU knows that there was legal stuff uh, at CU in, in Eric Bieniemy's past. I personally am a big fan of Eric Bieniemy. Like I've spent time with I him at the combine. It. I've talked to him. Um, he is a hilarious person to be around. Um, but 
I just think there's certain things about him that don't necessarily don't bode well in his favor of convincing GMs that he should be their head coach. For one example, we'll drop one. This is obviously out there, but from his time when I think he was just the running backs coach at, at CU, you know, they bring in Marcus Houston, one of the best recruits ever. This is uh, yeah. well re- well reported he actually told reporters he called him marquisha to them and then marcus ends up transferring to csu and also but there's those sorts of things that i'm not sure that he's you know again not necessarily a player's coach if i could put my nfl cap on real quick too yes. um i think the market's kind of cooled on andy reed disciples i mean yep. you saw matt mm-hmm. Nagy really kind of flame out in chicago doug peterson got fired in philadelphia so I think that that kind of just cooled down, and I think everyone took a step back and decided, is he really head coach material? Not yeah. a play caller. And, and I mean, the, the truth is, like, a lot of guys who have maybe done less than him are getting opportunities. And so you could make the case that, hey, why isn't he getting it? He should. And I think, you know, I think he, ha- like, he should get an opportunity. Or at least I hope he gets yeah. an opportunity. Um, but at the same time, it, the other thing is, like, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes together – People aren't thinking like they're not putting Eric Bieniemy in that in that conversation when they're talking about why are the Chiefs so good. They're like, well, yeah, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You're yep. not saying Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Eric Bieniemy. No, they're saying Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Tyreek Hill. And maybe, and they, Travis and maybe they should, <laughs> but it's just the truth is it's not mm-hmm. happening. So there's a layered answer for you that maybe didn't even hit all the layers. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, well, just to keep us kind of on track here, I want to just finish with a. Jake, I'm going to give you more time before you have to make your prediction. But, Henry, okay. give me a win prediction. I'll go four. All right. All right. I'll go four. I'll I, go. I, I mean, the sports books would say that's optimistic. And that's really sad. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I'll say four. I think that, I mean, again, you look through the schedule. If you don't beat Arizona, that's when things fall. That's when you say, like, okay, maybe it is time to make a real change. You got to beat Arizona. You look through the rest of the schedule. TCU's winnable. Air Force is always winnable, even though it's they're in a weird place right now for a lot tough. of different reasons. Definitely, UCLA isn't that good, although they have the pieces. Whatever, but you can run through the whole schedule. Arizona State, obviously, that's another one where it's like that's a fifty. I say four wins. Is it is five or three more likely? I think I lean five, but maybe I'm just buying the hype because it's been a fun couple days. One more point on, and everyone should have the uh, triple option. If you're playing against it, you already have to teach the scout team how to run it. True. <laughs> Just bring Just them teach in. the <laughs> offense how to run it. Just uh, put one package in there. Then the defense has to stop it every day, and you're not wasting your time. It is, though, like it, the cut blocking and like all that sort of stuff that goes along with it, too. Like You have the big receivers who are run blockers out there. I don't know. I talked to a football coach who said, hardest to defend, easiest to install. You know, yeah, it makes sense. Also talking Bobby Houck up in Montana, another triple option Montana story. You know, one time we were talking to him about it, and he said, uh, you know, it's the greatest offense that's ever been created. So I asked, why don't you run it? And he said, there's only a handful of people who know how to run it right. Mm. Interesting. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Anyways, I'm going five. I'll be the... Uh, okay. I'll, I'll go on. I, I, I have a hard time painting my way to six, yep. um, even if I'm being optimistic. But... Undefeated October plus one. There's five. 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to wrap it up. Jake, super stoked to have you on the squad. Thanks to everyone who uh, chimed in in the comments, tuned in tonight. Um, keep an eye out. We're going to have a lot more like this, especially these Wednesday night podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a, a goal to be doing throughout the season. Um, so that'll be fun. Come down to the DNVR bar. We are now the official uh, watch party location for the Denver Forever Buff. So mm-hmm. you can count on there being game sound on for every game. Uh, especially, or especially the away games are when we're going to be doing the big yep. uh, watch party. So, uh, if you're not going uh, on the road, come hang out with us here. But for now, that is going to wrap it up for us on DNVR Buffs Live. We'll talk to you guys soon.